We're looking at James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20 this morning as we consider living with faith. Living with faith. James 5, 13, if you will turn in your scripture there. James is concluding his letter. He has been writing this letter to a group of scattered Christians, Jews who became believers in their Messiah, Jesus Christ. And they are all over the Roman Empire. They're in Alexandria, Egypt. They're in Rome. They are in uh, uh, the farthest parts of the empire. They're in the closest parts. They're all over Asia Minor. They're, they're in Greece. And they are scattered around in various communities seeking to live their Christian faith in the midst of a world that was, well, let's just face it, anything but Christian. Sound familiar, by the way? Does it sound familiar to anybody? James chapter 5, he broaches this subject of faith. Stand with me as we read from God's Word. James 5 verses 13 through 20. And this is God's Word, and if you let it, it will change your life. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers... If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Pray with me. Father, may the prayer of faith be our prayer. Shape us in this time. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. There is something attractive to a faithless world about a believer who has genuine faith. Even in the midst of danger, grief, suffering, pain, people cannot help but be enthralled when the child of God relies upon him. It's almost like a child watching another child eat ice cream. Have you ever seen a kid? Mama will get some popcorn, and they come from the woodwork. I want some of that. Can I have some? You see, there's something enticing. There's something that just almost tempts a world that doesn't know what genuine faith is when they see it up close and personal. Like like the smell of popcorn or the look of how delicious that ice cream is. James is closing his letter to these scattered Christians and he wants to put the, the bow on top. He wants to wrap this all up and, and, and really make that final that final message you know the things you say at the end are oftentimes the things that are most important and so he wants to make sure he leaves a mark as he goes as he closes this letter so he doesn't just close with salutations he doesn't just give all sorts of benedictions he doesn't even end with a doxology no what he does is he says all right let's put all of what we've been talking about together into really the fundamental aspect of the life of faith If you are going to live your faith, it's going to show up in your prayer life. 
So let's see how all this comes together in how you pray. I know a woman. I don't share her name. Um, but if there is one person in this world that I want praying for me, it's her. Everybody else praying for me is just bonus. But when she prays for me, it's like, it's like God tells everyone to be quiet because he wants to focus solely on her prayer. That's kind of prayers that she prays. She is, I think prayer warrior doesn't do it justice. I mean, she is like, I don't know. She, she's, like, she's like the type of person that it doesn't matter what you have to do. You got to have her pray. I want to have a prayer life like that. Sometimes I feel like I do. Sometimes I feel like as soon as I start talking to God, we are on a T1 line, just, just the fastest bandwidth you could possibly imagine, and I, I am there with no latency whatsoever. I am directly talking to God, and man, there is just such a, a vitality in prayer. And then other times, I feel like my prayers hit the ceiling, and I have to duck and cover because it's going to hit me in the head if I don't. You ever been there? So let's take a few minutes. And let's see what James, the brother of Jesus, shows us about this prayer of faith. A couple things I notice. One, the prayer of faith seeks God's provision. The prayer of faith seeks God's provision. We are faced with a myriad of circumstances and, and, and situations that, that vary so much that there's no one size fits all. I mean, just in this room, some of you have been retired for well over a decade. Some of you are about to retire. Some of you wish you could retire but can't. Some of you haven't even started work yet. Maybe a little piddle around here on the side, but maybe a couple chores around the house, but you don't even know what it's like to go to work. We have such a variety in this room. Some of you have faced incredible suffering. Others of you have yet to face such things. Some of you are in the middle of them right now. Some of you can look back on them. Some of you, um, you're right on the door and you don't even know yet. We're in all kinds of different situations. We're in all kinds of stances in life. There's, there's no one size fits all that fits where all of us are except in this building right now. That's, a, that's about as close as we can get to all being in a similar circumstance. Some of us haven't slept well in weeks, months, years. Some of us sleep like a baby so much so that, that we sleep in three or four places every day because we fall asleep on a couch or in a chair or <laughs> wherever and have to move to the bed after a while. Some of us have no problem sleeping. We're all in different circumstances, but every single one of us need God's provision. We, feel, we find it in this, in this passage in a couple of specific ways he mentions. First is in suffering. We pray the prayer of faith. We are seeking God's provision in our suffering. Verse 13, look at the first part. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. This, uh, it hides in English the command. Let him pray is a command. I, I, you could translate it this way. Anyone among you suffering should pray. It's not even a question. If you're suffering, pray. Pray. Why? To seek God's provision. Maybe your suffering is like some of the folks earlier in this chapter. You're being mistreated. People are withholding your wages. They are, they are oppressing you or mistreating you or persecuting you or uh, actively working against you. 
maybe maybe that's not the suffering you're going through. Maybe the suffering you're going through is that you're you feel like you're pushing a big heavy boulder and it ain't moving. You're working and you're working and you're working, but you're not seeing any progress. Brantley, I need you to sit down, buddy. Thank you, sir. You you try and you try and you work and you work and you're you're putting all this effort into it and there's nothing to show for it but but really really sweaty clothes and that's about it. Sometimes I feel like that at work that I'm doing so much and I'm not getting anywhere. The screen is filling up even more. <laughs> I'm not making progress. I'm not catching up. I'm not getting there. Uh, uh, getting getting done. I'm not getting to that place of rest. And that may be where where you are. The type of suffering you're going through. Maybe it's maybe we talked about last week. But maybe it's the grief of loss, and you're suffering because someone you love has passed. And maybe it wasn't just yesterday or last week or month or year. Maybe it's been a while, and you're still suffering. Maybe you're suffering because you think back, and you think I shouldn't have done that. What was I thinking? Or I should have done that. It's all my fault. Whatever the form of suffering is, when you are in the midst of suffering, the prayer of faith recognizes that God and only God can provide what you need. In fact, there's almost this command is almost telling you you have to actively force yourself because isn't it easy to fall into the state of mind that says God doesn't care. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is punishment for what I've done wrong. I have to bear this alone. No, you don't. No. Whether it's hopelessness, anger, depression, or just a knot in your stomach that keeps you from casting your burden on the Lord, the prayer of faith recognizes that the only provision comes from God. And the only way to overcome is to bow our knee in that prayer. It also seeks God's provision, interestingly enough, in success. Wait, success? Doesn't that mean we don't really need anything? Look at what he says. He says, is anyone uh, cheerful? Is anyone cheerful? If you're happy and you know it, let him praise. (laughs) Wait, that's not how that song goes. That's what James is saying. Why? Well, aren't you thankful? Maybe you are in a place where everything is fine and dandy and you feel like, man, I have everything I need. Where do you think that came from? The prayer of faith recognizes the source of every good thing. In fact, it almost seems like James may have said something about that before. Oh yeah, James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. God is the one who has provided those things over which you are cheerful. And the prayer of faith seeks not only to thank God for His provision, but to guard our hearts that we not turn our backs away from God. Deuteronomy, multiple times, God says, you're going to get into the land. I promised you this land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to get in there. You're going to get comfortable. You're going to live in houses you didn't build, eat the fruit of crops that you didn't plant, and you are going to get happy and fat, and you're not going to do anything for me anymore. You're going to start worshiping false gods. The prayer of faith recognizes that no, 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 that cannot happen. And it keeps us grateful to God because it recognizes he's the one that's given it. And so not only has he provided, but we also guard our hearts and ask him to keep providing the protection we need that we don't fall away from him. There's a third circumstance that he mentions. He's already mentioned both of those in this book. And, and pretty, pretty frequently, 
Both of these things come up. But this third one is something a little different. It's a little different application than what he's given before. We, we seek his provision in our suffering and in our success. We also seek it in sickness. Look at verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? This starts the same way as the others. Anyone among you sick, what should you do? Call the elders. Now, this doesn't mean you have to find the phone numbers of the oldest people in the church. This word elders means leadership. You call the leaders. You call the people who, are, who have been vested with the authority to direct the church. Under God's leadership, they are following God's lead and leading the church forward. You call them to you, and what do they do? They pray and they anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. Some people say this anointing with oil, it had in some circles magical or medical sort of purposes. Many of the, many of the things that you would use to treat yourself would be primarily made of oil. I think of eucalyptus or menthol. You get Vicks Vapor Rub. This is, this is really what I think of, is Vicks Vapor Rub. You put it on you and that smell just gets all over you and it stains your, your clothes so you only do it at night. Um, and, and then you smell like crazy and you have to take a shower in the morning so that people don't smell the Vicks on you when you go into work or whatever. That's the thing that I think of when I think of this. I think of applying something, but not just in order to heal, because it's not the anointing that heals. It's the prayer that heals. In other words, we are in sickness, seeking God's provision for healing. They're so sick, they can't even come to the church. They have to call the church to them. I, I think maybe that means that um, a couple of us, Jim, we, we might need to go make a house call or two. It's the, this anointing is the outward expression of that prayer of faith. It's a, a means of asking God to heal. It's a means of relying on God because he's the only one who can heal. Whatever the circumstance we're facing, the prayer of faith seeks God's provision. But not only does it seek God's provision, here's the, here's the really cool thing. It actually has God's provision. So not only is it looking for God to provide, God has promised that he will provide. Look in, look in verses 15 and 16. Take the, and the prayer of faith, this is, again, talking about the one who's sick. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Not only do we seek God to provide in the prayer of faith, we recognize that God will provide, has provided. He's provided for our need of healing He's already provided. It's kind of like uh, when you order a package online and it says that it's been shipped. You've already ordered it. You've already paid for it. You might not have received it yet, but it's, it's in shipping. Hopefully you're not uh, uh, waiting for months and months and months on end. We had that happen one time where Carrie ordered something and months later it still hadn't been sent. And so we ended up uh, canceling the order, getting our money back, and a week later we received it. Oh, well, we, she told him, she said, I, 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 I canceled the order, got my money back, but it, but it finally arrived this week. And they were like, just keep it. It's, you, it's yours to keep. Verse 15, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. This word save and that word raise 
both speak to physical healing. The implication is someone is on their sickbed and God heals them to the point where they're no longer sick and they're able to get up out of the bed. Do we know any stories of Jesus doing that where like somebody is really sick and, and, and in the bed and, and he heals them? We know a couple stories like that in the Bible, don't we? Since the prayer of faith, the same power that Christ exercised on earth is the same power that we as his disciples have too. Now that's mind-boggling. That, that is mind-boggling. Sometimes God's will is to heal and all he's waiting is for us to pray in faith. That's it. I, I think of, well, you know what? No, let's put that on the back burner for a minute. Let, let's let that sauce simmer. I think it's a little too runny right now. If we, if we try to serve it now, it's going to get all over the place. And if you're using paper plates, it's going to soak through the plate and make a big mess. So let's let that sauce simmer a little bit, thicken up. And while it's thickening up, let's look at something else. Not only do we have God's provision of healing, we also have God's provision of forgiveness. Look at the end of verse 15. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, how many of us have committed sins? Okay, this isn't generally committed sins. He's talking about if, if the cause of the sickness is sin, the prayer of faith has the power within it. Because of the one who is really giving power, the prayer of faith has the power to bring forgiveness of sins. If I have committed a sin and for that reason I am sick, then that prayer of faith not only rescues me from that sickness, it rescues me from that sin. Consider that for a minute. Now, don't you feel derelict in your duty as a Christian when you say, I'll pray for you and you don't. We actually have something here. Through the prayer of faith, we have a means of calling God to fulfill His promises to people. Calling on God to bring healing and forgiveness and we pass it off dismissively and just say, well, I'll pray for you and never really do it. That's a shame. Sometimes people are sick because they need it. They're just sick. It's just part of life. John chapter 9. There's a guy blind. And they say, why is this guy blind? Is it because he sinned or his parents sinned? The disciples are asking him this question. Jesus says, it's not either one of those. He's blind so that God can be glorified. The whole purpose of him being blind is so that Jesus could make him see and God receive glory from it. It had nothing to do with sin. So sometimes it has nothing to do with sin, but other times it does. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Corinthian church is doing all kinds of terrible stuff. Among them, they are taking the communion and some of them are feasting while others have nothing to eat. They're eating at this love feast and some of them are gorging themselves while others are going hungry. And he says, no wonder some of you have died and others are ill and sick. In other words, that sickness was a direct result of sinful behavior in the church. Sometimes our sin is what causes our problems. And when that's the case, the prayer of faith has not only power to bring healing, again, because of God, but it has the power to bring forgiveness from God too. It has the provision of forgiveness for the one who needs it. It also has a third provision. We've already kind of hinted at it. We've talked around it. We've beat around the bush. Now let's address it directly. And that's of community. The prayer of faith has God's provision of community. 
Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. One commentator wrote that prayer for healing is a communal activity. This doesn't just happen individually. It's not something that we only do independent of each other. It's something that we do within the context of the body of Christ. Which means we ought to spend more time doing that, don't you think? We ought not just leave prayer to something we do once or twice for a minute or two during the service. And the rest of the time we're just doing it at home by ourselves. I think we ought to spend more time as a community in prayer. I think we ought to spend more time as a church praying for one another, lifting up one another, encouraging one another through prayers to God, interceding on each other's behalf, confessing sins to one another, especially when I've done you wrong, I need to confess to you. And especially when you've done me wrong, I need to be praying for your healing, praying for your forgiveness. That's how the community of God is intended to work. It's not intended to be something you come to for an hour on Sunday morning, maybe on Sunday night or Wednesday night, and then you're not any part of the community any other time of the week. That's not how it's intended. This is intended to be a living body, and we need each other more than just a couple of hours a week. We need each other every hour of every day because we need God's presence every hour of every day. And God has decided the best place for me to put my presence, the most poignant place, the place where where the atmosphere is so thick of my presence that you feel like you could cut it with a knife, is in the body of Christ. And so God gives us this provision of community where we openly admit our wrongdoings to each other and we intercede on each other's behalf. And then you'll have healing, he says. The prayer of faith seeks God's provision, and it has God's provision. But not just his provision. It also has God's power. You want to know every text, every text, every biblical passage you will read has one main thing. And the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, right? So forgive me, but I'm not going to talk about the rest of the passage. You want the blanks? Let me know. I'll fill you in on them later. I want to park here for the rest of the sermon. Into verse 16. Remember remember that sauce I said put it on back burner, let it simmer a while because it's too runny? We're going to thicken it up. Okay? Verse 16. The prayer. Go ahead and pull up the end of verse 16. I think it's like two. Yeah, there you go. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That phrase, as it is working, it gives commentators some problems because... It could be that it's describing the prayer or it could be that it's describing the power. I think it describes the prayer. Your version might have the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That might be, I think that's the King James and and New King James is probably very close to that. I didn't look at New King James. Many versions will either have effective prayer or, or effectual prayer or something along those lines. The idea is that it has everything necessary for its purpose. The prayer of faith, y'all, already has everything necessary. Let me explain what I mean. Where, where is the source of that prayer? It's in the will of God. The prayer of faith isn't seeking to pray what I want. It's seeking to pray what God wants. And so already the source of that prayer, the content of that prayer, comes from the very will and heart of God. But not only that, 
How, how do you express that? How do you know what that will is? It's breathed in by the Spirit of God. That, that word spirit can mean breath or wind. I think that's intentional. Because it's like God is breathing His Spirit into you so that as you pray that prayer, you are praying not only what He wants, but you're praying it in the way that He wants it prayed. He's filling in the words. Uh, uh, Mark chapter 12, I think Jesus tells the disciples that, that when you go, when you go and you are being persecuted, you're being tried because of my name's sake, I want you to prepare in advance what you're going to say because I'm going to give you the words in that very moment. I'm going to tell you what to say. And so the picture of the prayer of faith is one that I don't even have words to pray to God unless He gives them to me. And that's okay. Romans 8, what does it say about the Spirit of God? The Spirit of God teaches us how to pray. We don't even know what to pray. We don't even know what to say. But He prays in groanings too deep for words. Do you see this prayer of faith isn't just a magical formula. Some people think that a prayer of faith is like the sinner's prayer where it's all written down in advance and all you got to do is say the words. And that's it. It's like a magic spell. If you say the right words and you, you have all the right intonations, that that's it. It's like, like, we're in, like we're in a class from, from the Harry Potter movies where we have to learn how to say the words of the spell exactly right so we can get the spell to work. That's not what this is. This is a prayer that is so dependent upon God that I don't even know what to say unless He tells me. I don't know how to pray unless His Spirit breathes the words in through my lips. Do you understand now why I say I want to have a prayer life like that? Because that is a prayer life of power. But not only that, it has confidence in the sovereignty of God. I know that if it's God's will, and I know that if He is the one that is instructing me to pray like this, that God is sovereign enough to make it happen. Okay, y'all didn't get it. Turn to Nahum. No slide up for this, James. Nahum. Y'all know what Nahum is, right? Nahum. No, I'm not making it up. It's a real book of the Bible. It's one of the minor prophets. Um, so if you're turning, if you, you go through the major prophets uh, after Daniel, it's Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, then comes Nahum. I could tell you what page it's on in my Bible, but that won't help y'all. So, book of Nahum. Listen, listen, listen to Nahum 1, verse 3. This is in a book, by the way, that is about God destroying Nineveh because of its sins. Hey, we've heard of Nineveh before, right? That's the place where Jonah preached. And they repent of their sins and God spares the city. Well, a time later, it turns out that repentance was a short-term thing because they turned their backs back on God and they kept doing what they were doing before. And so God says, all right, you've had your chance to repent. Now it's time for destruction. And in a book about that, listen to what he says. Nahum 1 verse 3, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Now you may have missed it. So let me read it again and let me highlight. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. You really want to know where the power for the prayer of faith comes? It comes from the God of power. God is not an impotent God. He is not an incompetent God. 
God is not hands tied, I can't do anything about it kind of a God. God is the all-powerful God. And if He wants it to happen, it will happen. Which means, why are we praying like we're wishy-washy when we should know His will and should be praying His will? When God has declared it, it is settled, that is it. We can pray with confidence because God empowers it to happen. On your sheet, that's to provide, by the way. God's power to provide. Also, His power to perform. Let me, let me give another phrase here. In verse 16, it says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. The phrase means highly competent. Not only does, does it have all the resources necessary to do the work of God, it's capable of carrying out that work because of the God who empowers it. You know, God is a God who empowers his will. Isaiah 55 for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He points to nature and he says, look at the water cycle. Now this was some, I don't know, 2,000 years, 1,800, 2,000 years before scientists had, had really figured out the hydrological cycle. Before you see the hydrological cycle in science textbooks and in works of academia among scientists, before you see that, long before you see that, you see the Bible declaring, hey, this is the way God's made it. The rain and the snow, they come down from heaven and they don't go back until they've watered the earth and make it bring forth and sprout and give seed to the sower, bread to the eater. In other words, they, God is saying through his prophet well in advance of scientific knowledge, this is the way that I've created the world. I've created it so that the rain and the snow do the purpose for which they are sent. In the same way, he says, verse 11, my word will not return to me void. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word is guaranteed. And so is the prayer of faith because where does the prayer of faith come from? It comes from the very word of God. So why are we so wishy-washy? Can I be honest with you? It's probably because we don't have faith. He goes on to talk about Elijah. Elijah, nothing, nothing special about Elijah. He's got a late nature just like us, but he prays and it doesn't rain for three and a half years. He prays again and then it starts raining. There's nothing special about Elijah. Nothing special about the specific words that he said, it, but it was the faith. It was the faith that God had given him. In Ephesians 2 when it says that we are saved by grace through faith that is not of ourselves, that it's a gift of God. It's not just the grace that's a gift of God, it's a faith too that is the gift of God. God gives us everything we need, but yet we still rely on ourselves, and boy, that just doesn't turn out well, does it? Do you need some faith this morning? I feel like I do. I feel like we all do. Maybe, maybe we should follow the suit. He says those suffering should pray, those cheerful should praise, those sick should call the elders for them to pray. Maybe... Maybe we ought to take this to God. Maybe if you're feeling like you don't have any faith or you don't have enough faith or you don't have a good enough faith, maybe, 
maybe the secret is to ask for it. Seems like Jesus said something about asking. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we just need to seek him. Pray with me. Father, would you give us faith? I don't mean that cheap knockoff thing that just says, I believe, and that's all it knows. No, James has long taken that away. No, it's got to be a faith that works. It's got to be a faith that's active. It's got to be a faith that's not like a screen door on a submarine, completely useless. I mean a faith that does what you want it to do, that shapes us and molds us into your image, that drives us to fulfill your will, that calls us to, to not just not mistreat one another, not be partial against one another, not speak against one another. All these things that James is saying, but, but God, a faith that brings us to living like you, because that's what this is really about. It's not about us having fire insurance for eternity. It's about us becoming like you, being molded and fashioned into your image for your glory. So God, would you give us faith? Would you help us not doubt? Would you help us not look at ourselves and just feel guilty and condemn us? Would you just give us the faith that we need faith that you call us to have father we ask for your faith knowing not just believing not just hoping crossing our fingers knocking on wood but knowing that you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with your whole heart father give us faith we beg you we don't like the israelites not wanting to move a muscle without you going before them in the wilderness Father, we don't want to go anywhere. We don't want to be anything unless you are with us. So give us the kind of faith that prays like that, that lives like that, that brings you glory like that. It's your time. Do your work in us. In Christ's name, amen.